How's everybody doing today? It's a good day, right? The rain has ceased. I feel like, you know, the dove has come back, you know, that there was land, dry land somewhere. I haven't found it yet, but I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Uh, I am super excited. I uh, have spent some wonderful time with the Lord just walking through this passage today. Um, I didn't do that today. This last week I've been, anyway. Uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in John chapter 1. We're going to spend the next, uh, I think, seven weeks in the book of John. Through John, uh, We're going to go through chapter 6 as we look at this series on encounters with Jesus. I, you know, I kind of, we prepped it last week, we started last week, but, you know, just to remind you what our goal is, as, as we walk through this, we're looking at kind of the, uh, a chronological time frame of Jesus encountering people and what happened in those encounters and how people were changed. And, and, and so that's kind of the thought pattern here. And uh, I'm super excited. This, is, uh, this has been really rewarding for me as a pastor. Um, my privilege is I get to look ahead and spend time with the Lord and then just share what the Lord has shared with me, with you. So John chapter 1, if you have your copy of God's Word, let's go ahead and read it. We'll stand as we read, starting at verse 35. It says, the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he, was, as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would show yourself glorious because you are. So, Father, I pray for us this morning that we would be encouraged and that we would be challenged to walk after you. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. There have been amazing discoveries throughout history, and I'm always fascinated when a new discovery is found, and, 
and uh, you know the pomp and circumstance that usually comes with it because it's exciting, right? To find something that has never been found before is an amazing thing. Uh, I have never found anything that has made me famous, so I guess I'm not that amazing of a person at times when it comes to discoveries, but I have uh, been amazed at things. And as we walk through this passage, there's a couple of key phrases that I want us to hone in on later, okay? So I want to walk through the story first, and I want to kind of acknowledge some things as we do, and then kind of come to a place of just kind of bringing it all together. So um, if you look at the story, it's, it's, and we're going to backtrack a little bit, okay? So we're going to go back to uh, starting around verse 19 and kind of give some context here. Um, but if you look at it, we're looking at four days of human history recorded for us. So you look at the story of Jesus, and, and you know we talked last week, Jesus was about 12 years old, so from 12, and now he's uh, approximately 30 years old, there's 18 years we know nothing about. But for some reason, after an 18-year eight, hiatus, um, the Holy Spirit said we need to record four days of human history for the world to know. I find that fascinating, that after 18 years, suddenly now we're going to focus on four days. And so I want to look at those four days and just kind of lay some things out. And day one, we have uh, John the Baptist doing his thing. He's out in the Jordan River. He's baptizing people. He's baptizing them. And it's a different baptism than the baptism that we uh, 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 participate in. It's the baptism of repentance. And so John is out there doing this baptism of repentance. And, and all it is, for those of you who are going to get hung up on this baptism, John is baptizing people saying you need to repent of the way you are living and change directions because the kingdom of God is coming. John's ministry, and you'll find throughout Scripture, and John actually in this passage, John the Baptist now we're talking, by the way, if I haven't clarified that, not John the Apostle, the, the writer of this book, but John the Baptist, his ministry was to make uh, the road uh, paved ahead to prepare the way that when Jesus comes and enters into the world and his ministry begins, he had one goal, and John later says this actually in John, I think it's chapter 3, he says that as Jesus comes, he's going to increase and I'm going to decrease. So my ministry is before Jesus comes to prepare the way to open the door as Jesus' ministry begins. So that's John's ministry. So he's, he's, he's preaching, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. Jesus is coming. He doesn't say Jesus specifically, but he's saying the Messiah is coming. And as he's doing this, some Pharisees come out and they're like, who are you? And they confront him. This is day one. They're confronting him. And, and John says, you know, uh, I baptize with water, but there's one coming. He's greater than me. He's the Messiah. He's the one. He's the one that everything is going to be focused on. And so he actually predicts his ministry. And his, he, he declares that, John, my ministry is preparation for Jesus. So that's day one. Day two comes along, and, and, and sure enough, Jesus walks by. And uh, uh, as Jesus walks by, John the Baptist says, because if you look at the passage, it says next day. So that's what we're focusing on. So it's the next day Jesus walks by and John looks out and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Incredible statement. And we don't even have time to unpack all that. But, but here comes Jesus and he says, That's him. That's who I am preparing the way for. 
And, you know, there are so many times in ministry where I think about what God has in store for me. And, and we read in the book of Hebrews, for example, the heroes of the faith who have been promised things and promised things. And it says that they will not receive those promises in this lifetime, but in the lifetime to come. And so this is what's so amazing to me is as John is saying, he's coming, he's coming. And by the way, he's here. He's right there. Can you imagine that? So many times in our lives we have the promises of God and we think about them and, and we may never see them in this lifetime, but in, in the, the, the people that were there got to see Him. And this is our purpose, by the way, in ministry and in life, to always be pointing to the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. What an incredible thing. Day two, He says, this is Jesus and by the way, I know there's, there's a, 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 a lot of um, words and phrases in this chapter that we don't have time to unpack, but there is some magnificent study if you spend some time. And we didn't even, we skipped, by the way, uh, uh, verses 1 through 18, which is this incredible passage about the Word becoming flesh. Um, uh, but, but here we have this idea that you're going to see throughout this chapter as we walk through it, and the idea is seeing seeing okay i want you to keep that in mind and we're going to focus in on it a little bit here but uh so john says there he is that's day two and he says i know it's him because i have seen him and i have seen the holy spirit descending upon him like a dove and i was there and this is probably after by the way this is after jesus has, so we talk about these four days this is after jesus has been baptized by john okay so john baptizes jesus and then at some time later, day one happens, day two, now day three. Because sometimes this chronological stuff can get a little confusing. Day three happens. It says the next day, and this is the beginning of our passage, and I hope you're, I'm not losing everybody because I'm losing myself as I walk through that. Day one, confrontation. Day two, there he is, that's Jesus. Day three, Jesus walks by again. And he says to his two disciples, John the Baptist, says to John, the beloved disciple, and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he says, hey guys, behold the Lamb. There is so much going on in that that we don't catch in the English. John is giving them permission and saying, go. That's the one. How many times in ministry is, is it about me, the, the guy that stands up front, or it's about uh, whoever is leading the church, or it's about the elders, or it's about whatever. And the reality is we should be saying, no, it's him. It's him. Follow him. Go after him. Don't go after us. But we get wrapped up because of pride. And I look at John the Baptist, and I'm always constantly thinking about when he said, uh, I must decrease and he must increase. What an incredible ministry as human beings, as followers of Jesus, if that was our heart mentality, right? But that's Jesus. But we see Jesus. And so John points out uh, Jesus to uh, John the Beloved. It's getting confusing because all the Johns. And Andrew. And it doesn't even mention their name right away. In fact, it doesn't mention John, but we know it's John. Um, and so he points it out to him. And then this is what I kind of chuckle at when I read the story. It says that they followed him, right? It's almost like this creepy little, uh, they're stalking him. And Jesus kind of turns around. He's like, hey, what do you guys want? What are you seeking after? And begins the encounter that we want to 
focus on today. Jesus says, what are you seeking after? And they reply, they say, we want to know where you're staying. It's kind of an odd question, but again, we're, we're losing things in translation. What they're asking is, um, we want to have a conversation with you. Because we want to spend some time with you to find out who you are. And so Jesus says, and this is phrase one of two that I want you to key in on today. Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. That is an invitation and a promise. Come and see. There's another phrase we will look at because as they go to spend some time with Jesus, and I can't imagine what that conversation was like. For, for them to sit with Jesus for who knows how long, it, was, it must have been an incredible thing. It was so incredible. Brothers and sisters, get this. It was such an incredible moment that John, 60 years later, remembers the very hour he met Jesus. Because he wrote this in A.D. 90, and this would have happened in A.D. 30-ish. And 60 years later, I can't remember 10 minutes ago, John the, Bap, John the disciple, he says about the ninth hour, about 4 o'clock p.m., we were with Jesus. That's how impactful this was. And we aren't given, we're not privy to that conversation, but I imagine it was an incredible conversation. As we can read later on, one of the most amazing stories to me is the Emmaus Road experience with these disciples that are walking along with Jesus. They don't have a clue who He is for some reason, but Jesus just unpacks everything for them from the, the Old Testament. And it says that He goes through the, the prophets and the law and He explains all of this and how the Messiah was Jesus and all these things. And so I wonder, you know, what was Jesus saying with those two disciples it was so impactful that not only did john remember it some 60 years later the very hour it was so impactful that that andrew in the moment about learning about jesus he splits why to go find his brother and this is the second phrase it says that andrew goes to find simon and he says, we have found him. So you're you catching this. The first phrase is, come and see. And the second phrase, and this is going to be caught on later on as we walk through this, the second phrase is, we have found him. Okay? We have found him. And so he brings, Andrew brings uh, uh, Peter Simon back to Jesus, and Jesus speaks to Simon, and he is forever changed from Simon to Peter. And again, we don't have time to unpack what some of that is. End of day three. Day four begins, and it says that Jesus now goes to find Philip. What an incredible thing. Can you imagine that, that the testimony of your life is that Jesus went to find you? That is the testimony of your life. That Jesus sought you and He found you. And He comes and He finds Philip. And Philip is, is so... An, uh, 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 it's an incredible message. It's just follow me. And Philip does. And, and as soon as Philip follows him, it says uh, that Philip went and found Nathaniel. And you get this, uh, this 
incredible message from Philip to Nathaniel. So Philip goes and he says what? That exact same phrase. We have found him. And they say, we found him, he is Jesus of Nazareth, and, and Nathaniel enters into the skepticism, can anything good come from Nazareth? And what does Philip say? Come and see. You, you're catching on here. These are important phrases. Come and see, we have found him. And so Nathaniel comes, he's got some doubt, and he meets up with Jesus, and Jesus says, he sees, by the way, again, I, I'd encourage you, I didn't have uh, a, a lot of time to unpack this, but if, if you go home, and man, there's so many things you can walk through in this passage this week, but go home and look at how many times it talks about seeing, beholding, looking. There's a lot of visualization going on in this passage. But it says that, that as Nathaniel came to him, Jesus says, hey, I saw you before you even came. And Nathaniel says, well, whoa, whoa, you are the Messiah. You are the rabbi. And Jesus says uh, in this incredible uh, statement, he says, you believe because I said I saw you. I tell you, you will see greater things than these. In fact, you will see heaven opened and the angels descending and ascending on the Son of Man. Incredible passage. A lot going on here. A ton of, of things that we just dumped on you about four days of human history. There's, there's introductions being made, right? You have Jesus meeting, uh, or, or Andrew and Simon meeting, and, and John and Philip and Nathaniel. By the way, if you're confused about Nathaniel, he's, he's uh, also known as Bartholomew, one of the disciples. Okay, so he's never mentioned in any of the, the, the Gospels as Nathaniel, but his, his, his other name is Bartholomew which is the famous disciple, right? Everybody remembers Bartholomew and the Acts of Bartholomew. I like Nathaniel a little better, but uh, that's okay. Um, but you've got introductions to all these guys. You have, you have uh, some subjects we could cover, curiosity going on. Who is this guy? Uh, what is he about? And people wanting to meet him. You have faith going on that these, these guys see and they believe. And, and they say, we believe he's the Messiah. We believe he's the rabbi. You have obedience happening where, where Jesus says, follow me. And they follow him, and there's incredible things going on with that. You have a chain reaction of evangelism, right? That when, when they hear the truth of who Jesus is, they realize who he is. The first thing that they do is they go and find somebody else, a family member, a brother, or somebody that they care about, and they say, you, we have found him. We have found him. The responses in this passage are, 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 are incredible. You have response of, they followed. You have the response of, we found. The, the idea, by the way, with the found is that they have been looking. They have been searching, and here he is. You, there's excitement there. They followed, they found, they brought. And so in four days, you have the first five disciples of Jesus' ministry. And you unpack all that in, in, in half a chapter, right? It's really easy to do. 
But again, we want to come back to what is this encounter? And I think there's just so many things we can get. And I, and I want to unpack this. I don't have three points for you this morning. I kind of have four and they're not alliterated. So if you like to take notes and you want to, they're not alliterated this morning. But, be, but keeping in mind what we just walked through and unpacking the story and, and kind of what it looks like, um, I, I want us to go back to these two key phrases, come and see, we have found, and understand four significant things about this encounter. The encounter, number one, it started with a question. What was the question? What are you seeking? What are you seeking? That is an, this is such an epitome of what our relationship becomes with Jesus if we are willing to follow the example that is being laid out for us. What are you seeking? When we meet Jesus, that is the question. What are you seeking? What are you looking for? It is a, a heart-examining question. It is a question that as we look at it, we, we, we also understand that Jesus is not as, as we heard already when we talk about Jesus standing at the door knocking. He does not barge in. He is not forcing himself on anyone. He is asking you, what are you seeking? I am here and I want to answer and I want to provide for you, but I'm not going to force myself on you. There is a responsibility, and this does not mean that Jesus just sits back and doesn't pursue. He pursues us, but he's asking, what are you seeking? What do you want of me? It is a question that we must approach when we go to Jesus, because ultimately it reveals our heart. When we see Jesus, what do we expect and desire what are we thinking you know there are so many times where i've gone through and i've looked back at a relationship i've had with a friend and i have asked myself the question what is it that they want from this relationship because there are many times where i can go back and i say man it just feels like all they want is what i have and not an intimate relationship and so oftentimes, many people come to Jesus and what they really want, and we do this as Americans very oftentimes, what we really want from Jesus is a magic lamp that we can rub and eventually we get three wishes. Jesus is not a magic genie. He's not Santa Claus. And I think it's very valid for us to approach Jesus and to hear the question, what is it you are seeking? And the only answer ought to be salvation. Redemption from the curse of the law. Redemption from the sin that I have so engulfed myself in. The encounter starts with a question. The second thing you notice about the encounter is it was an invitation and a promise. Come and see. It's an invitation because he says, come, come. Over and over again, we read through Scripture, it's, it's come. Jesus is always inviting. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, ask, seek, come, come. Over and over again in Scripture, Jesus is always saying, God the Father is always saying, come to me, come, come. I want to have a relationship with you. Come. But it's not just an invitation, it's also a promise. 
And I want you guys to see this. He says, come and what? See. You don't say that if you don't have anything to show. Come and see. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and what? Tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Psalm 46, 8, come, behold, look at, see the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. And Jesus is so understanding. We, we give a hard time to Thomas, right? Because he's called Doubting Thomas. But Jesus doesn't give a hard time to Thomas. You know, we look at Thomas and say, man, all the other disciples just believed, right? And Thomas walks in a day late, so the story goes that Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection, and many who were in the room saw it, and it says for some reason Thomas wasn't there. And so everybody sees Jesus, and so uh, Jesus appears the next day, and Thomas is there, and Thomas hears about what they're talking about. Hey, Jesus appeared to us, and he's like, yeah, yeah, right. Unless I see him and I put my finger in his hands, in the holes there, and my fist into the hole in his side, I will not believe. And Jesus appears. And you know what he says to Thomas? Come, see me, touch me, touch the hole. Put your hand here so that you can believe. Brothers and sisters, we have a Father in heaven who has sent us a very real Messiah. And He says to us, come. What are you seeking? Come and see. Come and see. He's real. He's here. This is far better than just telling you about it. It is an opportunity to experience it. My daughter made some sort of creation on the computer the other day, I think for Father's Day, I'm trying to remember what it was, but, but uh, she was all excited and I was busy doing something and she comes and I was just like, can't you just tell me about it? Just describe it for me. Yeah, that ain't going to fly with an eight-year-old. Come, Dad, you need to see it. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is saying to you today, come and see the works that I can do in your life. Come and see, be a part of my life, be a part of this. The greatest lessons I have learned was when someone was willing to show me. I've learned to work on cars and I've learned to work on, on construction. I've learned to, to do these things and the only way I learned was when somebody was willing to show me. The other day I've been working on trying to fix this tractor I have at my house for, for like over a year. And I couldn't get it fixed because I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to certain aspects of, of 1953 tractors, okay? And, and I'm trying to figure it out. And my uncle, who is a marvelous jack-of-all-trades, he happens to be at my house, and he says, have you checked the gap on the, on the uh, distributor cap? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And so he shows me, and guess what? Now I can do it. I would have never figured it out if he hadn't shown me. Jesus says to you this morning, come and see. You want a life transformed? You want to be a part of a relationship with me? Come and see. Come and see. The encounter was an invitation and a promise. Third, the encounter requires a decision. Believe and obey. 
believe and obey. He offers this. It's an invitation, not a force. It's an invitation, and it's, by the way, a marvelous opportunity, but it only happens if we are willing to believe and obey. So oftentimes in life, we get the invitation, but we don't believe and we don't obey, and failure to do either one is an incredible missed opportunity. I have met so many non-believers in my life who have skepticism, who have various things, and as they share their life story to me, I am sitting there with my jaw on the floor saying, the Lord revealed himself to you, but you refuse to obey, and you refuse to believe. And now their life is miserable. Doesn't mean that everything from here on out is, is uh, pie in the sky, but it means that we have the greatest redemption that has ever been offered, and we can experience a relationship with one who loves us more than anything, that he is so willing, as we sang, to leave 99 behind to go get the one. And that is the, the one who loves us. And he says, if you would just come and see and be a part of it, and guess what? We have a response to that because Jesus won't force himself. And so you look at this passage, and you have these two men. Uh, 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 Andrew and John and they they hear come and see imagine if they would have said now nah, we're a little busy right now if they would have said that would Peter have come because after all it was Andrew who went and found him would, would we have the book of John? Would, would John, 60 years later, have been able to reflect on that moment when in the 4 o'clock in the afternoon he encountered Jesus and spent an afternoon with him sitting in his home having conversation and relationship? They had to believe and obey. The fourth thing about this encounter is it has an incredible result. Notice what they say. We have found him. I, I, I missed this, by the way. I forgot to mention it. When we talk about this invitation, it's so marvelous to me that, that after Philip encounters Jesus, he goes and finds Nathaniel. He says, hey, come and see. Experience the same thing I did. Which, by the way, some people are scared of evangelism. I don't know what to say. Here's what you say. Come and see what I have seen. Come and experience what I have experienced. That's what Jesus does to us, doesn't he? He transforms our lives. And so the incredible results here is we have found him. The thing that they have strived for all their life is suddenly there. They have found Jesus and they get to spend eternity with him. And they spend uh, 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 their ministry with him. And if you look at this idea of this incredible result and we have found him, it is a couple of things. It's exciting, right? Everyone in the story is excited. After they encounter Jesus, everyone's excited. They're so excited. It's the, the greatest thing that has ever happened to them. There's genuine excitement in their lives. So exciting are, is it that they go and they want to go share it with other people. When we encounter Jesus, there is radical transformation with a real relationship that we become so ecstatic. And if you uh, notice in Scripture, this is not to say that there aren't low points in our lives. There are. We will struggle. Uh, uh, we, we just read also about uh, Elijah. 
who after an incredible moment of this experience on Mount Carmel, where he has this encounter with all the prophets of Baal, and, and, and you should spend some time reading that story. It's an incredible story where God consumes fire, and then he has this incredible victory. And you know what happens to Elijah? He falls into a deep depression. Brothers and sisters, ministry is sometimes difficult. But as the psalmist says, when we are discouraged, there is a cure. Put your hope in God. Why? Because that is exciting. That when we are discouraged, when we are in despair, the psalmist says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Psalm 42. Put your hope in God. Look to Him. And remind yourself of the incredible nature of your encounter with Jesus and that relationship. It's exciting. It's energizing. Those who meet with Jesus are energized. You say, well, how do I get excited about sharing Jesus with other people? Spend some time with them. And realize that there is no greater friend and lover of your soul than the one who has bought you by his precious blood. And that will give you energy. And it's explosive. When we meet Jesus, we have the desire and the power of God in us. Everything we truly need. You want to know what's so incredible about this relationship? Come and see, spend time with Jesus, get to know Jesus. Everything we need, Colossians 3, 4 says that but when we uh, are raised to life, we will see Jesus who is our life. He is everything. That's why it's so exciting. He welcomes us with an invitation. Come and see, experience it, know what it's like. So what is the application of all of this? I'd ask the question, are you empty in life? What is your life like right now? A drag? Is it boring? Is it is it? Is it empty? Are you depressed? Are you despairing? Are you struggling with purpose and meaning? We had these graduates come up and you ask the question that always gets asked of every graduate. Now what are you going to do with the rest of your life as if the first 17 years meant nothing? But what are you going to do, right? We ask. What, are, what we really mean is what are you going to go to college and study? That's what most people really mean and not everybody has to go to college. Well, if you're struggling with this, if you're struggling with emptiness, if you're in despair, if you're struggling with purpose, here's the statement I give you. Come and see. Come and see. Come and see a Messiah who loves your soul more than anything, and I promise you will find Him. I promise He will give you life. I promise that, that this one who has declared that he is righteous and he has proven his righteousness and he has come and he has lived a perfect and holy life and he died on a cross to, to pay the penalty for all of our sins and, and, and to give freely of that grace of righteousness to anyone who would come to him. He offers that freely. And if you are sitting here today and you say, well, I don't know, well, there could be a couple of possibilities. Number one, maybe you haven't ever come to him. Because life with Jesus is exciting. It's energizing. It's explosive. It has all of these things. And if you look at your life and you say it is empty, it is meaningless, it is purposeless, then you've never met him.
or you've been away too long. Come and see. You know, a lot of times people say, Christians, I don't see him in my life. I don't see him. Well, is he a liar? He says, come and see. God isn't playing hide and seek with you. He is in your life every single moment and every single day. I don't see uh, the question, I don't know what God wants for my life, doesn't compute with a God who says, come and see. It doesn't match up. That doesn't mean that we don't struggle, but if we are struggling, here's the answer. Go to him. If you don't know, then you haven't come lately. Well, how do you come? You know, we use these, these uh, phraseologies all the time in, in Christian circles like, well, you just need to spend more time with Jesus. You need to come to him. Well, what does that even look like? What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means and what it looks like. It means spending time in the word and it means spending time in prayer. Come and see. I can promise you, and I can tell you countless times in my life where I have struggled with something, and, and, and my wife so gently and lovingly reminds me, have you spent time praying about it? And then I go and pray. And you know what? Inevitably, every single time, Jesus is saying, come to me, pray to me, talk to me, and I will show you. And he does. I say, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life now. And I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know where to find the answer. Well, I do. Come to Jesus and read in the word that tells us all about God the Father and who he is and how great he is and what he is able to accomplish and what he has accomplished and what he will do in your life. Brothers and sisters, the encounter with Jesus that we have is one who says, come and see. And if we aren't going, we're not going to see. If you have never come to him, don't wait any longer. Come to him today. He offers it freely. You don't even have to. There's not a magic word. You know, sometimes you can go to a website and they offer a prayer. And that prayer is fine, but you don't have to pray a specific prayer. It's not a magic phrase, abracadabra, and Jesus is in your life. It says when John and Peter and Paul were all preaching throughout the book of Acts, people would come to them and they say, brothers, what must we do to be saved? What must we do to meet this Jesus? And you know what they said? Repent. Turn from the way you're going. And believe. Believe. Believe that he is able. Believe that he has done. And that's what he offers us today. And so if you're sitting here today and you say, I don't know Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. To me, he's just kind of a made-up figure, whatever it might be. Let me tell you something. I ask you the question, what are you searching for in life? What are you seeking after in life? Because you will find that without Jesus, it will be empty, meaningless, purposeless, and you will die going to your grave having no value. But he offers this. Come and see and be a part of the kingdom of God. 
And if we're sitting here today and we know Jesus and, and our life is filled with despair, anxiety, whatever it is, that's not what the word calls us to. And I'm not sitting here in judgment saying, well, you should just get over it because I struggle with these things. But the reality is the only way we can get through each and every day is if we are willing to go to him and spend time with him and spend day after day and moment after moment in relationship with one who says, come to me and see and we will declare to our neighbors, we will declare to our friends, we have found him. It's an incredible story. The first four days of Jesus' ministry introducing us, it's pretty productive, right? Four days, five disciples. But he offers it to us. And I pray that we would consider it and I pray that we would understand the significance when he says, come and see. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we serve a God who doesn't say, go figure it out on your own. We thank you that you have come to us when you saw that there was nothing in us that we could ever do. We thank you that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you offered life through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we come to you this morning and we ask, show us. As Moses came to you and he said, Father, show me your glory. So we come to you and we say, show us. Show us the majesty of you that we might worship you that we might be filled with life. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.